swinging a drive deep to left center field. Going, going, goodbye baseball. This is extra innings. Fastball swing and a miss, strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. You have my attention, Jared Kelnick. It's been a long time coming. It certainly has. He made his debut in the 2021 season. We're now in 2023. We haven't seen this kind of production from him in those two years. But boy, oh boy, has it been a welcome sight over the last week or so to see Jared Kelnick just absolutely go off on Cleveland and go off on the Cubs. Home runs in three consecutive games, and the Mariners win the series finale against the Cubs, bouncing back after a few tough losses on this road trip. But the story of the road trip, at least in terms of what to get excited over, is the is the performance out of the left fielder, Jared Kelnick, because this is a guy that we've come to expect this from. This has been the expectation of him ever since the Mariners traded for him from the New York Mets organization all those years ago. And he is finally, uh, I think, starting to live up to that. Now, are we out of the woods yet? Not yet, obviously. There's still so much left in this season uh, still to be played. And look, we've seen him have hot stretches before, but we've never seen him have a hot stretch like this. We've never seen him just continue to make pitchers pay for their mistakes and and make pitchers have to really think about what they're throwing to him because he is not just hitting balls out. He is punishing balls out of the yard. Right away center field. Let's make it three in a row for Kelnick. It is gone. Home run. Upper deck bleacher center field. Very few have ever gone where Jared Kelnick went yesterday at Wrigley Field. And to me, that might not have been the most impressive thing I saw from him throughout the course of yesterday's action, which is, you know, kind of like, well, he hit a 482-foot home run. How How is that not the most impressive thing that you saw from Jared Kelnick? Because to me, the most impressive thing I saw from Jared Kelnick was him striking out looking early in the game. I believe it was the third inning where he struck out looking, and it was on a borderline pitch. Call could have gone either way, and in years past, we have seen him take those calls, and they have ruined his day. And and then it snowballs into him ruining his week and, and ruining his month, and it just kind of all compounds on him and he's unable to get past that. Well, yesterday, he took that strike three looking, and it didn't ruin his day. It didn't end what he had done in this series, hitting two home runs in two days. In fact, he went and added that third home run that we just heard on that call from Aaron Goldsmith. Uh, Kelnick was asked post-game on Root Sports by Jen Mueller which home run was his favorite of the series. Here's what he had to say. The backside one, uh, just because... I told the, our hitting coach before that at bat that I thought they were going to come first pitch fastball away and I was going to put it in the left left center field bleachers. And to go up there, tell them that you're going to do that and that's what you do, like, that one meant a lot to me. The thing about Jared Kelnick is that he is at his very best when his confidence is at its very best. And hearing him say that he called his shot 
on Wednesday night, or on uh, Tuesday night, I should say, against the Cubs, saying that he was going to go Oppo Taco, put it into the seats, uh, telling people in the dugout, like, watch what I'm about to do. That's a guy who has found a groove right now, and that's somebody that you want to do everything possible to keep that going. Curtis Rogers here. This is Extra Innings. We are back. Mariners don't play tonight, which means you get two hours of Mariners coverage here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. We're on with you until 9 p.m. tonight. Make sure you're texting to the Mac and Jacks text line, 866-979-3776. You can also tweet at me, at a kid from Kent, follow along as well. Uh, but Jared Kelnick is the story so far of the Mariners' 2023 season. And I think what a breakout year from Jared Kelnick could do for this team and what a breakout year for Jared Kelnick could do for Jared Kelnick uh, may end up going further than anything they do in a win and loss scenario this season. And look, obviously the goal is to get back to the playoffs, not just the goal, but the expectation is to get back to the playoffs because that that's what they did last year. And you have brought back many guys from that team a year ago and said, yeah, we our plan is to get back to the postseason. All right. But you have a superstar outfielder in Julio Rodriguez right now. You have a great core of players in, in Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Cal Raleigh, uh, with other guys potentially on the way. But Jared Kelnick has been, he was the first of those guys to reach the major league level. In fact, him and Logan Gilbert came up at the exact same time. Um, but the expectations of Kelnick were that of, I think, what Julio has been, which is a superstar. It's somebody that has, it's somebody that's can change the game with one swing of a bat. It's somebody that can steal a few extra bases. It's somebody that can play great defense. If you have your outfield set for the next decade, if, if Jared Kelnick can become what we all thought he was going to become when he was called up in 2021 and all the hype around him in 2019 and 2020 and, and the beginning part of 2021 when he was, you know, when he wasn't thrilled that he didn't make the team out of spring training, when he wasn't thrilled at the end of the 2020 season that he, you know, he thought he could have helped that team get to the postseason as well. Like, we ha- we know the hype machine for him, and, and we've seen the hype machine for him, you know, churn out some very impressive things. But for whatever reason, he has not been able to put it together at the major league level. And, and there are many reasons as to why he has not been able to put it together at the major league level. Reasons that are unseen to you and I, and probably only known to Jared Kelnick, because it, a lot of it kind of feels like it's b- between the eyes, uh, between the ears, like it's not something that you and I can ever like tap into. Aaron Goldsmith joined Bump and Stacy earlier this week and talked about how Kelnick does look more relaxed and it doesn't look like everything that he's ever built in his baseball career rides with every swing. Well I think Jared certainly looks more relaxed. He looks calmer. He looks more grounded. He doesn't look like each at bat could determine the rest of his career, whether he <laughs> succeeds or fails. Jared, like any of these hitters, is process-driven, and he's trusting the process, and he is stuck with what he, what you referenced, uh, what he incorporated into his game uh, over the course of the offseason. And look, we looked at his numbers in spring training and said, well, this is spring training. These aren't numbers that can be replicated into the regular season. Well, uh, <laughs> Jared Kelnick is actually doing what he did in spring training 
in the regular season. Now, uh, look, we're 13 games into the season. The Mariners are five and eight. It has not gotten it has not gone off the way that we had anticipated it to. But I think a lot of people right now are looking at just the minor victories that have come along the way, and, and there are none bigger than Jared Kilnick with the Mariners right now, 13 games into the season now. We still have 149 left to go, basically an entire season still left to be played. So what's next for Kelnick? What's next for the Mariners? Because you have him on this plan right now. You have him uh, splitting time with A.J. Pollock in left field, Kelnick batting against righties, Pollock batting against lefties. What do you do? Because Kelnick is the guy right now in your lineup that has produced the most in the early portion of the season. Like he has the most home runs on the team, uh, tied with Teoscar Hernandez with three. He has the highest batting average of any regular. He's got the highest OPS. Like he has is leading in every category uh, imaginable. So what's next for him? What's next for the Mariners? How do they move this forward? And, I have advocated in the past in these 13 games that maybe you get more at-bats for Kelnick against lefties because right now he's swinging a bat that, uh, to me, it just feels like if you're leaving him out of the lineup, you are doing yourself a disservice. You are doing yourself, uh, you know, you're not able to put together the best lineup possible if Kelnick's not in it right now. Uh, Goldsmith later on in that conversation with Bump and Stacey went on to echo that and said, look, he eventually has to become your everyday left fielder. Ultimately, for Jared Kelnick to be Jared Kelnick, he needs to be able to be in there against lefties. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will come. When that comes, is, is that by the summertime? Is that next summer? That's to be determined. No one knows that. But he certainly has the talent, and we're seeing that. I think probably he's one of the real bright spots for the Mariners offensively this year uh, so far, because we are seeing that come to fruition. Even the, even the outs are typically hard hit quality contact. And he just, boy, you don't get stressed when you watch him hit like you did it before. And that's probably because he's not stressed like he was uh, once before when he was at the plate. It's interesting too, how when Kelnick, uh, I felt it. I know you have felt it too. When there were times where he'd come to the dish and you just knew it was either going to end in a strikeout or like an infield pop-up. And it, it, it felt like, you know, he couldn't get out of his own way. And now it feels like we're watching an entirely different Jared Kelnick, one that we have not seen at the major league level and one that, you know, may have, have shown itself in, in the minor leagues for sure. But think about this. This is really the first time Jared Kelnick has ever been able to kind of play for someone besides himself and when I mean that is when you're in the minor leagues yes team success is all fine and dandy but everybody playing at the minor league level is playing to get to the major leagues like they it's all fine and dandy to win games at the minor league level but you're checking your stats before you're checking your team stats that is what that is that's what that mentality is for every single minor league player uh, you know currently in the system of any team that's how it is for most high school players. That's how it is from for a lot of collegiate players, too. This is really the first time in Jared Kelnick's career that he has been able to play for the success of a team at the major league level because, look, there, there's no level to go higher than major leagues. Like there, there's just It's not. There, it, it's not there. And so Jared Kelnick right now is finally having this opportunity to play for something bigger than himself 
and I hope that he continues on this pace, obviously, because it is just so much fun to see. Uh, it's so much fun to see the Mariners benefit from it, uh, especially yesterday with that 5-2 win in their series finale, a game that they had to have, a game that they needed to have, and Kelnick's performance went a long way in stopping that. So did Logan Gilbert's, but obviously you hit a 482-foot home run and you've had all this this hype about you in your career. That's going to get people talking the very next day. You know what else is going to get people talking? Mike Lafko, he joins me next year on Mariners Extra Innings. Pinch inning for Brandon Gustafson, who is off on vacation this week. But Mike Lafko, fellow pre- and post-game host of the Mariners Radio Network, he's going to stop by. We're going to talk about this team. We're going to talk about Jared Kelnick. We're going to talk about this upcoming homestand. You don't want to go anywhere. Mariners Extra Innings rolls on right here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners. On the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Welcome back into Extra Innings. Joining me now, and, and normally we have Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com as our surprise special guest in this time slot, but this guy has graciously stayed 15 minutes following the conclusion of his show. Uh, he couldn't stay in the building, though, for whatever reason, but it's Mike Lefko of Wyman and Bob and also of the Mariners pre- and post-game show, which, Mike, this is odd because whenever you're on the air, I'm not, and so now we're on the air at the same time. This is this is a moment that I think a lot of people don't realize how special this is. Meeting of the post-game show minds. Curtis, it is, it is very special. In fact, the universe might have imploded had we been on the air in the same building together. So not willing to uh, take that chance. I had to, had to walk away and had to step away and do it on my phone. But next time, we'll try it. We'll, we'll risk it all and do it in the same building. I appreciate that, Mike. But uh, Lefko, the big story after yesterday's game uh, at least to me, is Jared Kelnick, who continues to rake, uh, especially on this road trip, hitting three home runs in consecutive games, looking like the Jared Kelnick that we were promised all those years ago. What do you see from him right now that just has him playing at this kind of level? Yeah, man, how exciting is this? I know you talked about it a lot on post game after that game, and uh, we certainly have talked about it all day because Jared Kelnick, it's exciting. It's exciting to see this potential finally be reached. And even if you look at this very small sample size that is the start of the season, yeah, three straight games with a home run. And a home run like that, Curtis, I know we were in awe of that, as, as everyone was around baseball. I think everyone except Jared Kelnick, who was a typical, you know, he, he played it down a little bit after the fact, but 482 feet. Baseball is so you know, fixated on uh, numbers and specific stats in regards to well, pretty much everything. And so when you have a number like that, that just jumps out as you know, the first ever in the StatCast era in a, in a certain category, first Mariner to do it that far, longest home run ever in the regular season in Wrigley, that's an eye-popping number right there, 482 feet. But it shows you know, what has been the improvement with Jared Kelnick is he is going up to the plate, and he's having very strong plate appearances. His hard hit rate, way up, 61.5, and that's 96 percentile of baseball. So when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting it hard. His walk rate is slightly up. Yeah, it's very early in the season. And his strikeout rate's down. So you take all that together, factor it all in, and this is a guy that's going up there with a plan and is just working really smart at bats up at the plate. 
Yeah, that home run he hit yesterday, it's just been replaying in my mind ever since he hit it. And and I've been to Wrigley Field. I I assume you have been, too, because you're a Midwest kid. That's just kind of like a, a you know, you're calling out there in the Midwest. There's yeah, nothing right else. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing else to do besides eat hot dish and go to Wrigley Field. So, uh, like, where he hit it, that is a massive home run. Like, I don't think the TV copy really painted the entire picture, like, that center field bleacher where he hit it goes back probably like a hundred feet from the fence, uh, and, and just it was an absolute moonshot. Uh, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen uh, a Mariner do. And Mike, we've he's now you know hitting well. How does he move this forward? Because it, it, we've seen him have great stretches in the past where, you know, last year he had a multi-home run game late in the season. We've seen him have big moments, too, uh, not just yesterday, but, you know, the last two nights, too. Uh, that home run he hit last year against the Rays, the three-run home run to tie it in the ninth. Uh, how does he move this forward? Because so often we've seen him have moments that are followed up by, you know, long over stretches. Well, Curtis, first of all, did you hear the Cubs call of that? Because they were in awe as well. And those are guys that broadcast a lot of games at Wrigley Field. So you hear the, the whoa, after Kelnick hit that from the opposing broadcasters. And, and you know, it's something special. But uh, to, to get to your question there, I mean, I, I think you still, if you're Scott Service and the Mariners, you still continue with the plan you've set in place for Jared Kelnick. And for the most part, you know, you don't start him versus left-handed pitchers. He might come in and, and face one every now and again. But all of this has still come against right-handers. I mean, he's 0-3 against lefties, so very small sample size. But the plan to build his confidence up to get him familiar with the day-in and day-out success has come against right-handed pitching. And it's worked well. So you don't want to deviate from that. Uh, there was, you know, he's such a... He's such a fire starter one way or another with everything he does. So when he came up and he was thrust right into the leadoff spot and then wanted to get all those at bats, that might not have been the very best thing for Kelnick's development. And the fact that he's still only 23, he had these seasons where he had to go through the learning process. And I know a lot has been made of the fact that he really never faced adversity in his career until he got up here to the major leagues. And there's something to be said for understanding how to deal with that, how to deal with failure and how to deal with setbacks. So for a guy like this, it looks like it has taken a couple of seasons, and now you get him in here, starting to become comfortable. And we'll see. It'll be interesting because now that he has had the success, he hasn't gone through this blip, right? It's been consistent. It's been very good over this last week. When he does dip, as it's inevitable in baseball. How does he respond? I think all those changes that we've heard about in the offseason, staying down in Arizona, really dedicating his offseason work down in Arizona, finding a, a mindset and a path that works for him, then that'll be put to the test. But for now, we can only just kind of guess and say, okay, we've seen the results. Now let's see if that still translates when he's struggling. Mike Lafko, fellow pre- and post-game show host for the Mariners, joining me now on Extra Innings in Mike. Of all the guys that have gotten off to a slow start for the Mariners this season, and unfortunately there's been a number of them, who do you think has the best shot at snapping out of it? Uh, are we considering Teoscar Hernandez on a slow start still? Sure, he's, Let- get, he's getting there. He's getting back up there. So I would, uh, <laughs> I would take the easy. I would take the easier answer. I think the relatively easier answer, based on these last couple of games and based on yesterday, also is Teoscar Hernandez and Curtis. I just ran through you there if you didn't 
count that. So I'm counting <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez <laughs> as a guy who was on a slow start, especially based on the expectations when the Mariners acquired him in the offseason. It seemed like the consensus was that was the perfect fit, the perfect acquisition for what the Mariners needed and what he could bring to the lineup. So when he does start slow, yeah, there's uh, increased scrutiny on him. But now, four-game hit streak, two of those multi-hit games. He's hitting the ball, the ball hard. He's anchoring kind of that middle to bottom of the order. So I think Teoscar Hernandez, once he saw that ball finally go out, I mean, we saw it, it was a two home run game. He, he hit the ball out and then he did it again because it finally clicked. So I'm most confident that he's the guy that turns it around based on what we've seen in past stops and based on what we've seen over the last couple of games. Now, I, I I agree with you that Teoscar Hernandez is probably the most likely guy to, to snap out of the, the funk that he's been in over the first two weeks of the season. But I, I am surprised how, how nobody kind of automatically defaults to the bullpen because that has been one of the biggest strengths of this team over the last couple of seasons. And, and last year also the bullpen got off to a slow start. I think people kind of forget the month of April was not kind to the Mariners' bullpen in 2022, and maybe that's going to be the case here this season. But a lot of guys who they've relied upon, uh, Matt Brash I think is at the top of the list, Diego Castillo's there too. What do you think those guys uh, are are going to be able to do here? Because uh, they have not really been as as sharp as the Mariners have needed them to be. Uh, especially last year, you know, at the end of the season, Brash was one of their best relievers. Castillo had a really nice stretch after sort of calming things down uh, around May or so. Uh, do we see the bullpen maybe regressing to the mean a little bit this season, or or do you think they're still capable of being that unit? Uh, the Los Bomberos fame that they, uh, you know, earned last season. Curtis, I didn't realize a collective group was an option. So I went with one player. <laughs> you, you misled me there. No, I, I still stand by, by what I picked there. Uh, I think you have to look at the bullpen and keep in mind that they underwent a massive change just in the course of a couple of days. So you, lose, you essentially lose three guys in the bullpen in one weekend. Because Robbie Ray gets hurt, so Chris Flexen, who had been a very good swing guy and another option in there, okay, now he's in the rotation. Well, then Andres Munoz gets hurt, so you're down an arm. Matt Festa, who had been pretty reliable last year, gets sent down. So all of a sudden, you're coming into the Cleveland series, and you have this weekend where you have three arms missing that have been a core part, so everyone's role shifts. Matt Brash, I think he will settle in, and yesterday was a good sign. He had never been the guy last year. For as good as he was, there's something to be said for coming in and closing out a game, being the guy that's on the mound that locks it down and saves you that game or or wins you that game in a key situation. I mean, last year, he only pitched in the ninth or later twice, two appearances. Pitched in the ninth inning in that game against Oakland. I think we remember that to kind of clinch the playoffs for the Mariners. So that was, a, it was not a have-the-lead, protect-the-lead situation. And the same thing, the other time he pitched in that situation was the 12th and the 13th against the Yankees at home in that epic one to nothing game. So Matt Brash never had to come into a situation like he did in Cleveland on Sunday where he had a lead in the ninth inning or in the 10th against the Cubs where he's in danger of allowing a, a walk-off hit and the game ends. That's I, I am okay. I've never done it. I don't think you have either, Curtis. But to come into a major league baseball game and Speak try for to yourself. save a situation like that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, maybe I forgot that one year you, you had. Yeah, but I, I pitched for the Toronto Blue Jays like in two thousand three. <laughs> uh, Not a lot of people okay. know about it. 
No, no, that must have slipped under the radar. Uh, we'll we'll get we'll dig into those numbers next time on extra innings, I'm sure. <laughs> but Matt Brass to do that on the road, he's never been in that situation, and we know his stuff is so hit or miss because of how nasty it is. So it can get very erratic. So all of a sudden you're facing a team like the Guardians, and they're not chasing. They're not going after those pitches out of the zone, and it starts to escalate. And, and I think we saw that uh, against Cleveland. We definitely saw a couple of hiccups against the Cubs. But over the course of the next few weeks, if Brash stays in that role, I imagine that will start to settle down. You hope it will. And what's encouraging about the bullpen is you, you throw in new guys like Justin Topa and Gabe Spire, and they've been fantastic. It's seemingly any arm you throw into this bullpen over the last couple of seasons has just been able to pick up what has been so good about it. You look at the, what, those like four S's they had in 2021, Swanson, Sadler, Steckenrider, and Seawald, and then that didn't carry over to 2022, but you had a guy like Andres Munoz come in. And now you have two new arms, Inspire and Topa, and so far, and then a very small sample size, they've been really good. I mean, neither of them have allowed a run in uh, about eight appearances. He is Mike Lefko, a fellow pre- and post-game show host of the Mariners Radio Network, also produces Wyman and Bob. Wyman and Bob will be out at Edgar's Cantina on Friday for the Mariners game against the Rockies. In fact, the next two Fridays, you guys are going to be out there. Really fun time. Make sure you're out there. Players stop by. It, it is a blast. So, Mike, uh, look forward to seeing you out there at Edgar's tomorrow. Really appreciate you stopping by here on Extra Innings. Curtis, always a pleasure, and... Uh... Thank you for being the bigger man and not bringing up my actual pre and post game record this year. Oh, yeah, I, I would never, I would never mention that you're zero and two this season. Whereas I got a win yesterday. Uh, so, zero and three. Yeah, zero uh, and three. Oh, yeah. Who's but yeah, who's counting? Yeah. No, who's counting? We'll get there one day. <laughs> Mike, really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, Curtis. Coming up next, what does Jared Kelnick's hot start mean for him going forward? We talked to Ryan Roland Smith about it yesterday on the postgame show. We'll take a listen to that conversation next. Curtis Rogers here with you. This is Mariners Extra Innings on the Mariners Radio Network in Seattle Sports. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. The windup and the 1-0 pitch, swinging a well-hit ball deep to right field. Going and going deep into the night and gone out of the ballpark. Or off the top of the menu board out there in right field. Holy smokes, what a shot by Jared Kelnick, who has just tied the game at 2-2. Two to two. You forget that Kelnick had a massive home run, not just in the finale of the Cubs series, but also in the opener and in the middle part of this series, too. Uh, he picked the second home run of the three that he hit as his favorite of the week. Uh, he mentioned that in, with Jen Mueller of Root Sports following yesterday's postgame show. Uh, but it, it is just so good to see him put a series like that together, really put a road trip like that together. You look at his OPS north of 1,000 right now, and I mean, uh, is it logical to expect that from him going forward? I don't know, but look, he's a guy that has been one of the most hyped prospects in Mariners history. And with good reason, because the talent has always been there. He has been one of the most talented players to ever put on a Mariners uniform. Just, But being able to put it all together, that's another story. That's another thing, and it takes time at the major league level. And who knows how, how much 
uh, he has put together to this point in the season. Maybe this is the launching point. We talked a little bit about his numbers in spring training and how those are real uh, and how they have translated to the first two weeks of the regular season. Like it, what we saw in spring training may not have been a joke uh, from Jared Kelnick. So you look at just the totality of his work on this road trip and you, you just can't help but kind of be floored by it all. Curtis Rogers with you here on Extra Innings. And yesterday on the postgame show, Ryan Roland Smith and I, we talked about Jared Kelnick and the road that he has taken to get to this point in his big league career. And, and maybe what we're seeing right now could be the real deal. Yeah, you mentioned you've seen flashes. You've seen you know home run here or a double to left field, but he just hasn't backed it up. Whether it be the next at bat, the next day, there hasn't been that consistency or that pattern that you're starting to see out of out of him. And one thing I'm really noticing, and you know, being someone who you know left-handed pitcher, you go kind of left on left. How would you approach someone? Uh, or even you know, obviously he's faced a lot of righties too, obviously. But just watching his at bats, I go back to this at bat he had in Cleveland uh, in, in extra innings going down 0-2 to De Los Santos and then going 3-2 and then able to get just enough of a change-up to make contact and then go from there. I think when you have at-bats like that, you sort of trust the fact that, you know what, I know these pitches are good. I know when they expand the strike zone that it's going to be there's going to be you know this type of movement. You don't see this in AAA and this type of you know uh, sequencing and, and all these little things that, that rattle around your head. Then all of a sudden you are able to make good contact on a pitcher's pitch your confidence just goes through the roof. You're starting to see that with him. He's at bats are completely different. You mentioned the stretches or what we saw the last couple of years. He looks completely different at bat. Each at bat, it, he's able to make contact, tough pitches, and then mistakes. He's just just selling out a swing and crushing. It's so good to see. Yeah, it really is. That home run, <laughs> still trying to pick my job off the floor watching oh, yeah. that one in the eighth inning. Just a massive, massive blast putting this game out of reach as the Mariners win it 5-2 to two over the Cubs. And, and Ryan, getting back to Kelnick, uh, early in the game he had a strike three looking back in the third inning. And I feel like in years past, that might have been something that would have undone him for the entire game where uh, later on in the game he would you know, be chasing pitches that he yeah. shouldn't be swinging at. Uh, what are you seeing from him just kind of demeanor-wise out there? Because a lot of times we've seen him just kind of lose his cool at times or, or just get in his own head. And a moment like that, I feel like in 2021 or 2022, would have been the end of his day, so to speak. But today he was able to just brush it off and then come back with one of the best swings we're ever going to see. Yeah, I think demeanor-wise, and, and you mentioned the years prior, it's a situation where, you know, lose is cool. Remember that instance he had? I can't remember what month it was in New York. If you remember, he got thrown out of the game, top step of the dugout. And you're like, okay, it's flat out written all over your face that you are just not quite sure what's going on, what uh, what you can see, what you can't see, what you can reach in regards to what pitches you can get to. And so you mentioned that about early in the day and then able to, to, to you know, stay with, and this sounds so cliche, but stay with what you, how you're processing each pitch. And every time that pitch hits the catcher's glove, whether it's a strike three or whether it's, you know, a 1-0 pitch, you, it hits that glove. And you're like, all right, I see it. I trust the fact that, I put a good swing on this pitch or I trust the fact that he comes with this option next that I'm going to be okay. And so I think that when you see him kind of, you know, take that strike three, like you remember Manny Ramirez back in the day, he used to get struck out looking and you'd stop, pause and just kind of like nod his head. as you say, yeah, I got, I got it. I see it. That's all good. I'll get you next time. 
it's more towards that direction. And when you see guys get frustrated, it's like, man, because and a lot of times I've talked to hitters about this. You see guys, you know, they, they, they get frozen, whether it's strike three or strike one or two, whatever. And they kind of like, you know, you see that, that, that frustration pour out of them when the head goes flying or whatever. Because in their mind, they're like, man, I just missed that one pitch that I could have handled. Because I'm not going to be able to handle this breaking ball. But when you see guys that kind of can take that pitch, you see it with Joey Votto a ton. They understand that you know what? If you throw that, if you throw that pitch again, or number two, you throw another breaking ball or something around this area of the plate, I'm going to absolutely smoke it. And so you're starting to see more of that, and that just comes straight with confidence and trusting exactly what you're doing at the plate. Ryan Roland Smith joining me here on the post game show, and Ryan. I mean, Kelnick has had this success to start the 2023 season. Uh, some of the best we have ever seen him play at the big league level. How does how does he continue this? Because it's one thing to do this over you know a six or seven game stretch, but there's still what a hundred and about fifty games left to play this season. 149 games left to play this season. I mean, we've got basically an entire season ahead of us. What does he do to keep this thing moving forward? Well. You know, a couple of things happen at this. I'm not going to say this stage. First of all, whether you watch it, whether you're a, you know, a, a player or, or another team, you see this home run. You know, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cardinals, for example, they see this home run, whether on their social media or through their scouting channels or whatever it may be, and yeah, you know, and not just because the ball was absolutely crushed. And I don't know if they said it was the furthest ever hit um, in. That in the in the ballpark, I can't remember exactly what they said, but you catch people's eye. Now all of a sudden, he went from hitting seventh. Now he's hitting sixth. He's going to creep up in the lineup. He's going to face lefties potentially now if he keeps this up because you want him in the lineup every single day because he's red hot. Uh, he's not hanging out to platoon. So all of a sudden, that scouting report just gets heavier and heavier on him as far as how much attention you pay to him. And so all of a sudden, that, that's when these really good hitters that can sustain a good five to six month of output, and yes, you're going to have slumps, but the guys who can sustain and put up at the end of the year when you look at, oh, he hit 25 bombs or 30 bombs or he hit 270, all of a sudden when that scattering report starts to shift or they start finding those little dead areas, which they are, everyone, every hitter has them, if you can A, lay off pitches, B, make contact on certain pitches, and you keep doing it and doing it, then you're going to get to a you know, month of July and you're just going to look back and you know what? You may go 0 for 10 and it's not going to affect you mentally. Some of the stuff we talked about earlier, you're able to ride that out and then you're able to get back right where you started. So I, I think that's the next step. You're going to start seeing guys pay a little bit more attention to Jared Kelnick on the scouting report, the way they pitch him. He has to overcome that and then we could see some really good sustainability. If, if that's the case, man, with some of the home runs we've seen <laughs> lately, you're looking at some big numbers. I'm not going to say exactly what we expected when you first came up, but a lot closer to what we expected from Jared Kelnick when he first put on the Mariners uniform. Yeah, and then, I mean, gosh, we've we've all been dreaming of what him and, and Julio could be at their at oh, their yeah. very best. And this stretch right here, I mean, you can't help but you know just kind of let your imagination run wild as to what this this season could be from the two of them in this Mariners lineup. Ryan, the other big story in this game, Logan Gilbert, uh, really in control of things after that first inning, settled down, got into a very nice groove, retired 18 of 19 Cubs 
at one point. What did you see from him today that, that made him so successful against the Chicago lineup? Well, one thing, and, and you know, even going back to Robbie Ray, you see that the velocity's last start. I know it was cold in Cleveland, whatever, but you start to see that, and you're like, oh, okay, is there something going on here? Not just arm injuries or anything like that, but is it something mechanical that he needs to fix? And if there is something he's trying to overcome mechanically, that puts more stress on your arm, so on and so forth. But it comes out of the gates early on. Command of the fastball, it sounds so like I said, cliche, but it was on point, way different to what we saw you know, five days ago. And again, I keep going back to this, man. That slider of his, or that curveball, whatever the option is, you can talk about him throwing the split or whatever he decides to do, whether it be splitter or changeup to lefties. But it's what he does against righties. Lefties, he's, he can have you know mediocre command with his extension and his height, and be okay because he's got a couple different looks to lefties. But righties, man, when he gets into a funk with that slider and all of a sudden it flattens out, he's in trouble. And we saw that a little bit last year. Hasn't been the case. Even in his last start, he still had that good depth on that slider of his. So I think that a fastball command and just and being and trusting that slider in big counts was a huge difference. And that's when you start to see that second, third time through the lineup. These hitters just cannot – you can't fall into patterns with Logan Gilbert because all of a sudden – and you could see him, he was landing secondary pitch, secondary pitch early in the count. And then, as you saw, the, the elevated fastball, you, cannot, you can't protect against that. But, you know, with, with, with his plus extension, he's, he's the tilt on that ball. It's impossible to, to, to defend against that. So, great sign, great bounce back from last start. He's in, he's in good shape. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, I think that this is something good for, for moving forward as we get into April and May. It's amazing what one win will do to the psyche of everyone, Mariners. Uh, with a tough, tough road trip in the middle portion of it, the end of the Cleveland series and the start of the Cubs series, but getting back on the winning side of things yesterday, thanks in large part to the performances of Logan Gilbert and Jared Kelnick. Coming up next, Bump and Stacy had an interesting conversation earlier today on Seattle Sports. With the pitching staff kind of going through it right now, a lot of question marks with Andres Munoz and Robbie Ray on the injured list. Is it the offense that needs to step up and have their back? We'll talk about that next. Coming up here on Mariners Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. And the one-two to Teoscar swing and a fly ball deep to left field. Way back she goes and goodbye baseball at the top of the bleachers. And straightaway left, Teoscar Hernandez with his third home run of the season. His second RBI of the afternoon. It's now the Mariners four and the Cubs one. A sight you love to see is Teoscar Hernandez getting that bat going. His third home run of the season. The first of two home runs they hit in that eighth inning yesterday as the Mariners beat the Cubs 5-2 to two in the series finale and they head back home on a winning note. And look, this Mariners offense right now has, has had its moments, but it also has has not almost as equally as many times. And the pitching staff right now kind of going through it, especially in the bullpen, uh, having a tough time keeping the Mariners in the lead late in games. And, look, they have gone through quite a, a, a shift already. They've gone through quite a facelift already, as Mike Lefko pointed to earlier this hour. You've got three guys in your bullpen who you were counting on that aren't there right now. Chris Flexen moved to the rotation following Robbie Ray's injury. Matt Festa optioned yesterday to AAA Tacoma. And then also you've got Andres Munoz on the injured list. Those are three guys who you are banking on right now that just aren't there. So 
how can the Mariners overcome right now the struggles that are are, are happening in the pitching staff, specifically in the bullpen? Bumpin' Stacy earlier today on Seattle Sports Station had their idea of how to fix things, and it all starts with the bats. All right, well, Tuesday wasn't a great day for the Mariners, and I don't mean to look too far in the past. It's only one game, and we've seen really gross games from good teams before, too, so no one's stressing, but I'm starting it off as an example here. Uh, The pitching staff uh, gave up 14 runs to the no-good, very-bad Cubs. Just kidding, they're a fine team. but um, Now, the good news is the offense scored nine. (laughs) You know what I mean? And the important thing to note... Up seven. And a lot of other games... Nine runs would be enough. Unfortunately, it wasn't in that one. But um, given that it's early in the season and we're coming up with all kinds of hypotheticals for this team, you asked what I thought was was a really good question. It it may end up not needing to be answered. Um, the pitching staff may uh, get healthier in a hurry and uh, or may perform just fine. Um, and, and we won't have to answer it. But it is an interesting question because it um, prompts us to think about how this team was constructed and where the strengths are. The question was, hey... If you have injuries to pitching or you have a down, you know, a couple weeks from any particular pitchers, bullpen or starters, could you see some role reversal? Right. What caused you to think of this question? And and tell me a bit about what you were thinking. Um, First, I thought about Robbie Ray. I thought about Munoz. And then I saw Brash come out there and struggle. We all we all love some Brash. Right. I've seen Diego Castillo look a little shaky at times and. That was a feeling that I didn't have not one time last year. Mm. Like when one guy was off just a little bit, there was always someone else to pick up the slack and be like, don't trip, I got you. Los Bomberos, we're, we're going to hold it down for you guys. Or starter just coming in. Right now, the only starter, I guess Logan is Logan has bounced back, and I think Kirby has as well. But right now, the only starter I look at, and he, he's on the mound, I go, guaranteed win is Castillo. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I, I saw what's happening with that pitching staff, and I go, all right, these bats have to get going. Right, Kelnick has to get going. Hernandez has got to get going. Uh, Colton has to get going. Uh, Julio got to step it up a little bit. Julio, Julio's not cold, but you know he's not the Julio that no, we're used to seeing star. so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know he he'll get there eventually. And last year it was the opposite. It was okay, pitching hold us down a little bit. We're gonna get three runs, man. Just just make it tight and maybe we have a chance get us to extra innings or play it close. Because last year the Mariners were one of the best teams in one, one run score games. So I'm looking at this and I go. All right, this is a team sport. This is where this becomes a team sport. These bats have to get going because the pitching doesn't look the same as it did last year. I don't want to say that they are completely struggling because we've seen some good performances, but it's not as dominant as Mm -hmm. it was last year. So I go, all right, bats, it's time for you to do your thing. You needed to see Kelnick do that. I think Julio needed those two hits. He went 0 for the game before. Um, Hernandez, you need to see him do his thing. It's it's just time for them to scratch their back. This is where typically I look at baseball as – an individual team sport because it's the batter and the hitter, right? But in moments like this where one part of your team, it doesn't look the same way as it did last Mm -hmm. year, something has to step up and it's the best. Well, and this is what the pitching staff had to do last year. Curtis, do you remember the stretch? Was it May to June or when was it where basically the pitching staff went like 20-something games without allowing more than three runs? And and they needed to do that because the offense uh, wasn't great. Now, we don't know if that's going to be the case here, but Bump, I love your question about like, hey, if you needed to, could this be a team where one side of the ball kind of carries you for a while? Because for the first time in a long while, we're wondering, well, if the offense needed, like the offseason conversations have been can the offense do enough now an in-season conversation needs to be what if they had to do a lot could they yeah is this an offense that could short term um 
or like immediate answer, I'd think yes. Yeah. Though I wouldn't put it near the best offenses in baseball, certainly. But you know, you looked at the lineup the other day and you pointed to one through six being great. Like I, I feel like the offense, um, particularly against teams that don't have elite pitching staffs, yeah, could do enough. You got to do what Tampa's doing, man. Yeah, Tampa Be good came at out, everything. Just you know, punching everybody. You know, just, just dominate. Just hit the ball a lot. You know, <laughs> score a lot of runs. But Curtis, you pointed it out when I was low key hating on the Rays. You're like, they're dominating the bad teams. And I go, yeah, okay, that's what that's what average teams do, right? You beat the bad teams. And I would say right now the Mariners are an average team in the league right mm-hmm. now with above average talent in certain spots. You got to get everybody moving at once. But you just want to see them dominate the average team or the below average teams in this league. And to answer my own question, yeah, I think they can do it because everyone's had a game. Everyone has had a game. Uh, I don't think Cooper has had a game yet, but everyone else has had a game. Him your and, and Colton Wong. My boy See Coop. how it became our boy Coop and then the second he wasn't performing, it became your boy yeah, Coop. Okay. Like I, Wow. I stand by him. It's my dog. I got you, Coop. <laughs> I jumped off real quick. No loyalty. But, you know, we, we've seen it. We've seen everybody have their moments, man. We were asking for uh, for Swatas. We didn't get a chance to pat ourselves on the back. I think that was our day off. Yeah. But we sure. said Swatas was going to go yard. Boom. He goes yard, right? He's on the board now. Tasker Hernandez is leading team with home runs with three you can point to one through six and say everyone has done their thing so far at some point but to make up for some of the struggles mm-hmm. you're having with the pitching staff mm-hmm. they, they got to put together three or four games where they're looking good and, and you know what that does to that bullpen to that uh, to that pitching staff all right they got us man we don't have to go out and win this game by ourselves no one's ever going to come out and say that uh Castillo's never going to come to the to the press and say, "Man, if we can just score more runs, I'm out there dealing right now. I, I need my basket high." No <laughs> one's going to say that. If he did. I would too. I would too. <laughs> but no one's going to say that. But we feel it and we can see it. And I think they're capable of doing it. Um, it just has to happen. The one thing I will say is I would have loved to see a more traditional DH. I know that that's not all of where baseball is going, and I know it's a conversation that we've been having on here. We're going to get to it with Ryan Roland-Smith a little bit too and and um, you know talk to him about what's going on there, including around the rest of baseball. If you were ever going to be a team that had to lean on your offensive production and lean on scoring as many runs as possible in order to make up for a pitching staff that's in a slump or injured or maybe um, you know a starter who has a fill-in because he's gone in the case of Robbie Ray... You would have built that team with a more traditional DH, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Like the Mariners are built as a team that can be flexible, that controls the strike zone, that has great pitching, that can play great defense. That's just fine. Right. That's just fine. They're not necessarily, in my mind, built like a team. Now, they do prefer to hit home runs. Justin Hollander, GM, joined us and said, you know, <laughs> if we could pick how we score, we'd like to be a team that still hits dingers. Right. <laughs> we'd still like to be Nothing that team. We don't that. necessarily want to play small ball. But you're you're also not built like a team that is going to have offense as its greatest strength. If you were to build like that team, you would have, I don't know, kept Carlos Santana. You would have gone out and gotten Nelson Cruz. Like it would have been a short term solution to to bet on potentially getting some runs. I'll be sure to ask Ryan Roland Smith this later. Yeah, but that DH position, I just don't like the approach. I, I yeah. I'm. I'm aware the rest of the league is, is approaching DH a certain way. You want a guy who can uh, play infield and outfield as well, kind of rotate in that spot, not your old school, traditional type hitter. I'm like, if your team, if that's the way you want your team to be built with power and hitting home runs, 
Go get yourself yep. a nice old DH. The Mariners will have plenty of opportunities to get their bats going this weekend against the Colorado pitching staff that's not particularly good. Austin Gomber is Friday's starting pitcher. Ryan Feltner on Saturday. Neither one of those guys has an ERA below seven right now. So the Mariners' bats, if they do want to wake up and, and produce more consistently, going to have an incredible opportunity this weekend going up against this Colorado Rockies pitching staff. By the way, this weekend, as we talked about a little earlier, Cal Raleigh bobblehead night, but also that's a, that's Friday. And then on Saturday, it is going to be a, another giveaway. It's going to be uh, Jackie Robinson Day over at T-Mobile Park, an incredible day across Major League Baseball where every single player and coach will wear the number 42 on the back of their jersey. Uh, there will be tons and tons of celebrations across Major League Baseball and also the first 10,000 fans through the gates at T-Mobile Park on Saturday are going to get themselves a number 42 Jackie Robinson hat. Uh, going to be a really cool giveaway. So if you want to get your hands on that, make sure you're one of the first 10,000 in your seats at T-Mobile Park on Saturday. When we return on Mariners Extra Innings, we take a visit with the opponent. That's right. Locked on Rockies podcast host Paul Holden will join me here on Mariners Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. we got plenty to get to in hour number two. Coming your way next on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network.